I ain't gonna cut it off. Butch told me to stop looking at my watch last week, so we're gonna take it off. I'm not in no hurry. Something on your heart. I thank God for the spirit I feel in here this morning. What I feel in my heart. Boy, it's good to be saved. I've been in church all week, and I felt just like this all week. I'm glad to be in the presence of the Lord. Glad the Lord still thanks enough of us just to come by and deal with our heart one more time. Give us what we need. Anybody got something on your heart? Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Thank God for each testimony this morning. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. I was thinking while Shannon was singing, there's a... When I was a kid, I seen him get saved, and I seen a bunch of others that's just like him, and Terry King, seen a bunch of them just like y'all, that ended up just like I was, the same same road that we went down, and how many of them, when I came back, wasn't here no more, <laughs> wasn't here no more, and I appreciate y'all hanging in there, appreciate you hanging in there, and I pre- Justin, I appreciate you singing and stepping up and trying to do something for the Lord, it takes us younger ones, you a little younger than me, but it takes us to carry on another mile, um, Gives me hope that I ain't going to be alone when I get Papa's age. There's going to be somebody else here. Praise the Lord with me. We're just going to keep carrying on. Revelation chapter 2. If you find your place, let's all stand. I need the help of the Lord this morning. Revelation chapter 2. Very familiar scripture. I'm sure we've all heard this preached many times. But the Lord burdened my heart with it last night. We're going to give you what's on our heart. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 1. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Justin, you pray for us. seated. The message that's on my heart, I'm sure you already know it is, Thou hast left thy first love. We, uh, If we read there, verse uh, number 4 said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And uh, when we read this verse of Scripture and this passage of Scripture, we know that this passage of Scripture is to the church in Ephesus. So this is to them that was saved. 
This is to them that was born again. And this church that was in Ephesus, this is the, the, the church that was in the book of Acts. That we see there in the book of Acts. And I begin to think about this church and it says that, uh, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You know, when we read this passage of Scripture, as we was already saying there a minute ago, it's easy to, to think about other people. It's easy to think about some that used to be here, some that was in the will of God, some that I've seen up on the altar weeping and standing up praising the Lord and giving their testimony. It's easy to think about them, and I can look at them now, and they're not sitting in the house of God, and I can see that, hey, they've left. They've left. They've left God. They've left God behind. I, I know that there's some that used to be here that maybe they're in a church somewhere else and they're serving God somewhere else, but there's some that's went back to the alcohol. There's some that's went back to the drugs. There's some that's got so far off that it's obvious that they're out of the will of God. I don't know anybody's heart, but I can see the fruit that each one of us bear. We're either bearing good fruit or we're bearing dead fruit. And if you're bearing dead fruit, then you've left your first love. You're no longer in the will of God. And it's easy to look at those out there and say, look at how they've left. Look at how they've left what they had. They had the salvation of God. I think about Jeff Johnson. He had it, boy. Ain't no doubt in my mind that he had it. He'd give money. He'd cry tears. He'd go visit. He'd go love. I'd seen these others that there was no doubt that they had the love of God in them. And I look out now, and where are they at now? Do they still have that same love? Will they still give you the shirt off their back? Will they still give you the last dollar that's in their pocket? Or have they left it? Have they left it? You know, it's real easy for me as a Christian that still comes to church. I come faithfully. I come Sundays. I come Wednesdays. Most of y'all come very faithfully. You're here. You show up. And it's easy for us to look out in the world and say, look at them, it's left. Look at them, it's left. Look at them, it's left. The will of God. But as we read here, y'all pray for my voice. As we read here, I don't think that's the ones that he's talking to. I believe those know that they've left. I believe that those that's sitting on the bar stool uh, last night, they know they're out of the will of God. Those that's back on the drugs and the alcohol and into the pornography and the, all the things of the world, they know where they're at. But I don't believe that's who he was talking to here. You see, the pastor at this time... Uh, of the church of Ephesus was Timothy. It was Timothy. It was this book, uh, the, the, the church, it was in the book of Acts. That's who this letter was written to. So they had a good pastor. This church that was here in the book of Acts had a good pastor. And it says that, uh, in verse number 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. That angel, that word, that Greek word there for angel just means messenger or pastor. So this letter... Or this message that the Lord has given to John to give to the church at Ephesus, he's wrote it unto the pastor. You know, sometimes the Lord will give us or give the pastor a message that we don't want to hear. Sometimes the Lord will give the, uh, the pastor a message that we stand in need of here in the church. I believe that's what's happened right here. It does not say that the Lord sent the message to the church. It said that He sent the message to the messenger. He sent the message to the pastor. And sometimes the preacher has got a message that we stand in need of. A lot of times we'll get upset with the preacher for what he's preaching but it ain't the preacher the preacher's just bringing what the Lord's put on his heart in order to bring to you and if he's in the word we shouldn't be upset at the preacher you know I thought uh, at the uh, how good of a pastor that they had 
And how powerful of a church that this must have been. This was the church in the book of Acts, and we've all read through the book of Acts, and we see the miracles that was done. We see the, the, the major things that happened in the book of Acts, that it was undeniable that it was the hand of God was touching throughout the church. They've seen miracles like we've probably not ever seen in our day. We still see miracles, and I've seen miracles throughout my life right here at Mount Vernon. And I, I, I begin to think about that church and how great of church that th- that church must have been. And I begin to look at our church, and I thought, how great of a church that our church has been. All of my life, it's been a wonderful church. I would not be where I am today if it was not for our church. You know, the Lord knew exactly where to put me for what I would need. It was just the hand of God that placed me right where I needed to be. It was just the hand of God that uh, the Lord put you and Shania together and put me and Tiffany together and Bill and Janet and Butch and Melody. God knew what He was doing. That's miracles. That's the hand of God. The only reason that you are here this morning is because of the divine hand of God. It's because God has placed us right where He wants us to be. As we read here, it says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that hold the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. If you jump back up to uh, chapter 1, verse number 20, the last verse in chapter number 1, tells us that the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the churches are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the churches. So the one that holds the the, the churches in his hand, that's Jesus. So this is Jesus that's talking here. This is Jesus that's uh, the mystery of the seven stars and the seven churches or or the seven golden candlesticks is the church. And we see here that Jesus has the pastors, the messengers, the angels, as it calls it here, he's got them in his hand. You know, as I was reading this, I thought, boy, the Lord give us an angel. For 20, 30, 30 some years, the Lord's give us an angel. Uh, uh, Shannon was just bragging on him and telling how that he stood on the doctrine. I think that's a blessing from God. I do. There's a, a corrupt doctrine that's all around us that's sending people to hell. But the Lord thought enough of us and cared enough to send us an angel. To send us a messenger that for all these years has stood up for what he knew was right. For what he knew was right. That was a blessing from God. <clears throat> Here in verse number 2 it says, I know thy works. If you read through these, all these letters to the uh, seven churches of Asia Minor, every, every letter from Jesus, every message from the Lord says, I know thy works. So not only did he know the works of those in Ephesus, not only did he know the works in Smyrna, but Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. He knew the works in every church. That's the omniscience of the Lord. You know, the Lord knows my works. The Lord knows my thoughts. He knows where I go every day. He knows what I think every day. He knows every every idle word that I say. He knows the desires of my heart. That's the omniscience of God. He can be everywhere at one time. He can know everything that's happening at one time. He knows all about us and He knows who we are. As we read down through this, it said, I know thy works. And I like here that first thing he does is he lists off all the good things. All the good things. Us as Baptists, a whole lot of times the very first thing we'll do is lift off all the bad things. We'll say, well, that butch, he just ain't no count. 
He ain't no count. He, he does this and he does this. Well, but he does go to the jail. But we'll list all the bad stuff first. That's just how we're natured. That's what we do. But the Lord begins off by naming off all the good things. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. You know, when I read that, it said, I know, and I know thy works and thy labor. That's their work. I begin to think about us in 2023. We'll work. Boy, we'll work. We'll put stuff together. We'll, we'll do whatever needs to be done at the church. This is, I see us in this scripture. I see us. I will work. We ain't no problem. We'll work. But are we spiritual? Are we spiritual? We'll work. And then I see it said, uh, and thy patience. I believe that's patience to continue on. No matter what comes, we just keep going. I believe we've got that. This is the good things that the church in Ephesus had. And I believe that we can apply this to us today. It said, I know thy works. We'll work. I know thy patience. We're patient. Uh, uh, it says, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. We'll stand against evil. I mean, ain't no doubt if we obviously see evil out in the world, we'll stand up and we'll say LGBTQ's wrong, living in adultery's wrong, cussing's wrong, alcohol's wrong, drugs are wrong. We'll stand up against what we see as evil. We've got that figured out. Just like the church in Ephesus did, we've got that covered. We've got that covered. That's some good things that we've got. That's some good things that we got. And he said, Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them to be liars. <clears throat> We've endured contradiction. You know, many times, let's see, it says, and hast borne. We've endured those that come against our doctrine. Uh, everybody in here, I know the most of y'all personally, and we all know the difference in our doctrine and most of the ones that surround us. And we have no problem standing against the contradiction. We'll stand up and say that that doctrine is not right, and this doctrine is not right, and we're going to stand right on the Word of God. We will endure the contradiction because they come against us and they tell us we're wrong. They come against us and tell us we don't really understand what the Bible says. And I don't believe that us as a whole have any problem Enduring their contradiction. We've got that. We've got that covered. We've got it figured out. And has born, that just means to endure contradiction, and has patience for my name's sake, <clears throat> has labored, and has not fainted. We ain't quit. <laughs> We've got that in us. Bill's got that. He's proved that. He's got that. Well, I ain't quitting. No matter what, I'm not going to quit. I believe down on the inside of us here at Mount Vernon, we've got that figured out. We're going to keep going. No matter what, we ain't going to quit. Even if they come against us, if sickness comes and the troubles come, and as Shannon was talking, we've stood up. We needed the doctrine so that we could continue on. We've got that figured out that we ain't quitting. We ain't quitting. I believe the majority of us here have got it settled in our heart. We ain't going to quit. We ain't going to quit. And as we see here, that's all the good that the Lord has named off. <clears throat> the Lord has named off all the good about this church. Verse number 4 says, Nevertheless. Whew, boy, that hits hard. Nevertheless. I even circled it in my Bible. Nevertheless. Boy, there's a whole bunch of good. But nevertheless. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. That somewhat, I wrote it up here in my Bible a while back, but that somewhat means moderate extent. Somewhat against thee, or moderate extent against thee, he says, because thou hast left thy first love. So you're telling me that we've got all this list of stuff 
figured out. All these things that the Lord has told us, we've got them figured out and we're doing our best to endure. We're doing our best to stand against evil. We're doing our best to stand up for the right doctrine. We're doing our best to be patient and endure the contradiction that they're coming against us with. But yet only one thing we don't have and it's at moderate extent. It's a moderate extent. It's a somewhat against thee. Lord, it's just one thing. It's just one thing that we're missing out on. But I believe it's the most important. I believe that it's the most important. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Who is our first love? Who was our first love? You know, before you ever get born again, there's no way in the world you can understand love. There's no way that a lost man can ever truly understand love. You can never truly love somebody unless the love of God is down on the inside of you. There's nothing about my flesh that loves anything. My flesh is from the world and the God of this world is Satan and my flesh in itself does not love anything. Anything. And before you get born again, you're just the flesh. You're just evil. You're just wicked. So my first love is when I realized who Jesus was. You know, all our lives, if you're in this area, we've all heard about Jesus. We've all heard about how good He is and how that He died on the cross for us and how He's the Son of God. And we've all heard that. But until the day that you realize He done it for you. He done it for you as an individual until you get to that point where you realize He didn't have to. He didn't have to. You know, we look at it and we think, well, He wouldn't just leave us stranded, but He could have. He could have. He could have just left me down here, let me go off into hell and never give me any chance. But He didn't. <laughs> but He didn't. <clears throat> I said it in here the other day, <laughs> and we always ask our kids, how much do you love us? Now do this, big, big, big. How much you love mama? This big. How much you love daddy? This big. You know how much the Lord loved us? This big. All the way. All the way. He loved us all the way. No more could He love us that they nailed Him on the cross for us. They nailed Him on the cross. You know, the Lord didn't have to come. He was sitting in glory. He was on the throne. He had all the power. He wasn't human. He, he, he suffered no afflictions in heaven, yet He still co- uh, chose to come anyway. He chose to come and put on this flesh that He didn't have to do. And He done it for you. And He done it for me as individuals. If it was just one of us, He would have done it just for one of us. Just for one of us. Justin, if it was just for you, if everybody else was already saved and He had to die just for you, He still would have. He still would have. And He come down and He put on the flesh and He was born of a virgin and He was just the lowly of the lowliest. And then in, uh, at 30 years old, He began to ministry. He began the ministry and this ministry from the time that his ministry began, everybody come against him. Everybody comes against There was contradictions on every side. Every time he'd heal somebody, he'd have to say don't tell nobody. Just go on. Don't tell nobody because they would come against him and try to kill him. But his ministry wasn't over yet. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to suffer that. But he chose to. He chose to. And then when the, they, they come to the garden, he was in the garden. He was praying. And there was so much agony that his sweat became his blood. He was doing that for you and me. At any time, he could have called angels from heaven to come and take him out of here. But he didn't. He was under so much agony in the garden that he was praying because he knew that they was going to sacrifice him. He knew what they was going to do to him. He knew 
knew the pain and the suffering that he was going to have to go through. But he done it anyway. But he done it anyway. He prayed so hard that blood really came out of his head. He, literally the sweat of his head became his blood. And it's, he suffered. He suffered. And then they came and they took him. And the one that was supposed to love him, Judas, had betrayed him. And he knew this was going to happen. But he done it anyway. And when they come and they took him, they stripped all his clothes off of him. And they made him stand before everyone in humility. And they whooped him and beat him. And beyond recognition, it's already been said this morning, that it was beyond recognition. You couldn't recognize who our Savior was. And at any moment, he could have left and never done it. He could have said it's not worth it. But it was. To him it was. That's how much the Lord loves us. And then they put the cross on his back and made him tote it up Calvary's hill and he toted it so far that his flesh couldn't hardly tote it no more and they got a man to help him carry it the rest of the way up the hill oh what love that is he went so far and he lost so much blood that his flesh probably couldn't tote it no more and he done it anyway at any time these angels could have come and got him and took him out but he went ahead anyway are we getting this how much the Lord loves us that he done it just for us put yourself in them shoes could we do that could I do that and then they nailed him up on the cross they nailed him up on the cross the nails through his hands and through his feet and he stood there hanging lifting himself up gasping for air and he done that just for you and he done it just for me and until I realize and accept the salvation that he literally came and give up everything for I've never known my first love that's the one that loved me first. And until I love him, I'll never know the love for anybody else. I wouldn't love my daughter back there if the love of God wasn't inside of me. On the day I got born again, the Holy Ghost indwelled me. And that's when I figured out what it was to truly love. When I figured out what it meant to love somebody else as myself. To love my neighbor as myself. To truly care about where somebody else went in eternity. To care if they went to hell or went to heaven. That's the love of God. Is that in you today? Is that in you today? You know, on the day if you've been saved, on the day that you got born again, that happened to you. Do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember what it felt like when you realized that somebody loved you that much that He took all your sin and paid for it right there? And when you surrendered it to Him, how all that sin came off of you and you knew love for the first time. For the first time. Oh, what love that is. What love that is. Right here we see, he's not talking to those that's sitting on the bar stools. He's not talking to those that's back out there doing the drugs. He's talking to those that's at the church. He tells them how much good they've done. He tells them how good they've been and all the good qualities that they've got. But they've left their first love. If we're doing all these things, if we're working, if we're striving, if we're coming to Christmas play practice, if we're going out in the community witnessing, if we're giving away turkeys, if we're doing all this stuff and the love of God's not in there, if we've left our first love, it's all for naught. It's all useless because we've already left Him. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left Thy first love. You know, He promised He'd never leave me nor forsake me. But right here it says they had left Him. They had left their first love. Have we left our first love? <clears throat> I'm on, you don't have to go there. You can if you want to. I'm going to flip to Luke 7 real quick. I preached out of this scripture uh, a 
Friday night. <clears throat> Got a couple things I want to point out here. Luke seven thirty six. <clears throat> and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. So Jesus has went into this Pharisee's house. This Pharisee didn't believe he's the son of God. He didn't respect him. He didn't honor him. Yet Jesus has went into this Pharisee's house to eat. For some reason, this Pharisee desired that Jesus would come into his house. Verse 37 says, And a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she saw that Jesus sat at me in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. So this woman, she's come in, and the, the Bible says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. And if you read on down, we find out that everybody knew who this woman was. This woman was a known sinner. Everybody knew that she was lost. Everybody knew that she was a sinner. The Pharisees can considered her to be a sinner because she didn't follow their laws. I don't know if she was a harlot or a prostitute, whatever she was. I don't know what she was, but it was known that she was a sinner. And as I begin to read this, it said there in verse 37, And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Whew, that excited me. You know, when we read this scripture, it looks like right here at this time is when this woman is repenting. But that's not when this woman was repenting. She's already repented sometime before she ever got here. Sometime before she ever got to the Pharisee's house, she's already repented. Apparently somewhere down the road, before Jesus ever come into this Pharisee's house, she had heard Jesus preaching. She had heard what Jesus had to say. And she had believed in who Jesus was. And that's when she found found her first love. That's when she found her first love. It said there in uh, verse number 5 of chapter 2 of Revelation, you ain't got to turn back, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. You know, often I hear this scripture preached, and it's said that we always say that your first works is repentance. I don't believe that was the first works that she done. She had already repented. And what come from her repentance was some works. You know, faith without works is dead. If you've been born again, there'll be some works that follow. You know, I'm sure, especially us that was strung out on drugs and things, there was a big change in our life when we got born again. And if anybody's ever been saved, there was an excitement and a zeal of God that followed the repentance. There was some works and some things that you desired to do, and if you really got saved, that you did do after you got saved. We see here that this woman stood at his feet behind him weeping. That was a position of repentance. That was a position of repentance and a position of worship. At this point, this woman realized exactly who God was and exactly who she was. I believe she had already repented because it said she was a sinner, but this is what followed her repentance. In order for her to get born again, she had to realize that she was a sinner and realize that He was God in the flesh and that He had come to die for her. And then after she realized that and she surrendered her 
life to him. Then she came and she worshipped him. And she worshipped him. When's the last time you've bowed down at his feet with the tears of flowing so bad you couldn't hold them back and you just worshipped the Lord? When's the last time we've done that? Have we left our first love? I believe we need to repent and come back and do our first works. If we'll repent and remember who he is and who we are, I believe we'll go back to loving him like we should. We'll go back to loving him like we should. It says, And stood at his feet weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. That was her honoring him. She was honoring him for who he was. She began to wipe his feet. with she, Her tears were flowing so hard that she washed his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with a the hair on her head. That's showing that she wasn't nothing, and he was everything. He, she wasn't nobody. She was just lost and headed for hell. But he was the Savior. He was the darling Son of God. He was everything that she had ever wanted. When's the last time you've stood up and honored him? When's the last time you've stood up and said, Boy, I was lost and headed for hell. But thanks be to God, one Sunday morning, I come to an old-fashioned altar, and the Lord was drawing me and dealing with me, and He showed me how much He loved me, and I accepted Him as my Savior. When's the last time we've honored Him? When's the last time we've honored Him? He said He had someone against us because we've left our first love. Have we left our first love? I remember when I first got back in church, boy, there wasn't nothing going to keep me from coming here. When y'all first got saved, there wasn't nothing going to keep you from coming to church. There wasn't nothing going to keep you from finding out what the Lord was going to do. There wasn't nothing. There was a zeal of God down on the inside. And you wanted to do whatever He wanted you to. Are we still in that same place? Are we still in that same place? That's where that love is. If you've got that love of God down on the inside, we'll still be in that same place. I've said it many times, but salvation's not just a one-time repentance. It's a daily walk with the Lord. And it's a continually uh, in a state of repentance. We need to be as this woman here physically was showing us an example. We should be in this state 24-7. I should be thankful. And Papa said it the other night that uh, a preacher ought to carry a handkerchief with him everywhere he goes because he ought to expect to cry. He ought to expect to snort a little. Are we there? Are we expecting when we go to the job tomorrow for the Spirit of God to be right there with us when we tell somebody about the Lord as Butch was telling this morning how when he first got saved and he walked into the factory and the Lord told him, tell them about me. Tell them what happened to me. Are we still that way when we go to work tomorrow? Is that still in our heart that we're going to tell somebody about how good God is? If we're still with our first love, it is. It is. If we're still with our first love, it is. And it said, and she kissed his feet. I believe that showed her love for him. <laughs> Have you expressed how much you love him lately? Have you told him how much you love him lately? Have you cried out on an altar and said, God, I just want to say I love you. And I thank you for what you've done for me. And truly meant it from the heart. You know, I oftentimes pray and I say, Father, I love you. I thank you. And it's just me saying it and I don't really mean it from my heart. I'm afraid maybe I've walked away from my first love a little. I'm afraid maybe I've got off track a little and I don't love him like I should. I don't love him like I should. She was showing him that she loved him. And then it said, and anointed them, which talking about his feet, anointed them with the ointment. I believe this was showing that she was sold out. This, uh, this ointment that she had, she said brought, the, brought an alabaster box full of ointment. And this ointment, if you study in this ointment, it was expensive. 
It was high dollar. I don't know what this woman done for a living, but she was a known sinner, so she probably didn't have a lot of money. Probably didn't have no big fancy job. She probably didn't live in the palace under the king. Nothing of that sort, but she spent everything she had on this ointment in order to come and anoint the feet of Jesus. I believe this is showing us that she was sold out. That she was sold out. If you've ever been saved, you had to sell out. If you've ever got the goods down on the inside, you sold out. Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember, I know, Terry, do you remember what that was like when you just couldn't help it and the Lord told you that it was your last chance when Michelle come to the altar and the Lord said, do you want it or not? And you come up and you said, whatever it takes. God, whatever it takes. I remember walking down the driveway when Shannon Spell was getting saved and I could hear him down there hollering out to God and I believe that Shannon surrendered it all right there. Whatever it takes. And if you ever got born again, that's the same thing you had to do. God, whatever it takes, if it takes my money, if it takes my family, if it takes my home, whatever it takes, Lord, I've got to have you. I've got to have you. Sold out. Sold out. Right here, she sold it all out. I believe that's a type of worship. Doing His will is a type of worship. That's where He wants us to be. Fully surrendered for Him. <clears throat> fully surrendered back in Revelation chapter 2 <clears throat> verse number 5 remember remember do we remember we remember where we was when we got saved and what happened and how we felt and what we done after remember remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. You know, they'll tell you that you can't fall. They'll tell you that you can't fall. If you've ever really got it, you can't fall. This is a letter to the church that had one of the best pastors it's ever been. They've seen more of the power of God than most any church of any time. And yet they fell. They fell. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Are we all in the shape we was the day after we got right? Karen, you testified to it this morning. On that Saturday morning at 10.30 when you surrendered it all back to Him. Are we there today? Don't answer me. But are we there today? Are we there today? Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. we got to get back to that place. That place. It ain't no big eyes and little use. It ain't that I'm somebody because the Lord's called me to preach. I ain't nothing. I'm just nothing. I'm just nobody. I'm just like the sinner woman that was bowed down at Jesus' feet. And if I get beyond that, then I'm going to fall. If I get beyond that point that I think I'm somebody because the Lord has used me, I'm going to fall. The only way the Lord can use me is bowed down at His feet. Bowed down at His feet. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do the first works, listen here, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. What was the candlestick? There in verse 20, chapter number 1, it said in the, uh, let's see, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the churches of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Listen, if we're not walking with our first love, it don't matter all this good stuff we've done. 
And we do good. And I believe that we should do good. I believe that we should strive to walk right and talk right. And I believe that we should stand against evil. And I believe that we should stand up for the doctrine that we know is right, that we have, that we just know because it's what the Word of God says. We should stand up for all those things. But if we've left our first love, He said that He would come quickly or else. <laughs> That's scary. That's something you hear in a scary movie or on a, on a film when somebody's kidnapped somebody. Give me the money or else. This is what he says here. He said, Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick. That's the church. And will remove the church out of his place except thou repent. Boy, I don't want the Lord to remove the church out of its place. I don't want the, uh, the, the Lord to come. And you know, if he removes the church, he removes the hope. He removes the hope. My daughter will have no hope. If there is no church, there is no hope for my daughter. You know, if there is no church, there is no hope in Surrey County. The only reason Surrey County is not taking over in drugs more than it already is is because of the church. It's because of the light and the salt that the church is. It's because of the steadfastness of the church. I'm not just talking about Mount Vernon. I'm talking about the church. If you've been born again, we're part of the church. The only hope we've got is the church. Is Jesus. The only light they see is through us. The only salt or preservation of the world that there is is through us. And we've left our first love. We don't shout like we did. We don't cry like we did. We don't make victory laps like we did. We don't get excited about the things of God like we did. We're not down here on the street corners begging our families to come into the house of God because we're scared they're going to die and go to hell. We've left our first love. I'm afraid we've left our first love. And will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Verse number six. <clears throat> but thou, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. There's some dispute on the, the Nicolaitans and their ways and their doctrines, but everything I can find, I've looked this up before too, but everything I can find about the Nicolaitans is that they live by no moral law. You know, I know we was talking, somebody was talking about it earlier that it seemed like the world had no morals anymore. Well, the only morals that anybody ever had come from this book. That's the only place that morals ever come from. The only standard that mankind, even atheists, have a standard. They have a moral. They have morals that they go by. They don't think it's okay to kill. They don't think it's okay to beat you off. But the only place that our morals come from is this book. And it said that, uh, but we hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which he also hated. And the Nicolaitans, they just didn't abide by any moral law at all. You know, I believe that's what the majority of the preachers around America is preaching now. That you can just repent. That you can just make a profession of faith. And after that, the moral law goes out the window because it don't even matter. Because you can just do whatever you want to do. It all leads down, and I know a lot don't like this, but it leads down to unconditional eternal security. I know the ones that believe it around here will preach that, well, we believe you got to live right, but you ain't got to. That's what you're telling me, that you ain't got to. 
And it said here that if, uh, uh, if we didn't return to our first love, he would remove the candlestick and he goes one step farther and he tells us something else good that we've got. And I've seen me. <laughs> I've seen me right here in this scripture. He said, but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I hate when somebody calls herself a Christian and they're out here drinking. I hate these shirts that they're wearing now and you see them everywhere. They say, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. That's the doctrine and the ways of the Nicolaitans. That ain't real. That ain't right. That's fake. And I hate that because it's bringing reproach on the name of Jesus. It's bringing reproach on the church. But how can I stand against them if I don't show them love first? If I don't show them love first, if the love of God ain't in me first. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That overcometh, I looked up what the original Greek word was and what it meant. And it meant to gain the victory or to conquer. To gain the victory or to conquer. This message is to the church. This message is to those that were born again and had known the love of God. You can't know the love of God until you get born again. You can't know the love of God until you get born again. Here it says that uh, they had left their first love, and this was a literal church. This, this happened, but we can apply it to our lives. It said that they had left their first love, and then it says to him that overcometh, Will I give to eat of the tree of life? That tree of life is just Jesus. The only life I've got is in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is my life. The only way that I can take part of the inheritance that He's given me is to overcome. It's to overcome. And I know that the Bible will see. It even says in Revelation 12, 11, And they overcome him, overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. The only way that I can overcome them is by the blood of the Lamb. But the only way that I remember my first love, the only way that I'm where I need to be is if I go back time and time again, if I continually live a life in a state of repentance, in the state that this this woman was it was bowed down before Jesus crying out to him that's the only way I'm going to overcome that's the only way I'm going to make it it's not by my works it's by my surrender the only way that we can win which sounds odd as a Christian is by surrender you know if we're in a war and we surrender to the enemy then we lose we're surrendering but I'm not surrendering to the enemy I'm surrendering to the victor I'm surrendering to the one that paid it all he's not going to lose he's already won when he cried out on the cross and he said it is finished he won the battle and if I'll continue, surrender to Him then I'll win the battle I'll win the victory, I'll make it to our goal, our goal is heaven ain't it that's where I want to go, the reason I'm in church today is because I want to go to heaven I want to go to heaven, I want to be right and if I'll continually surrender to Him, I'll make it I'll make it, Tommy you come play softly 